This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I am Rachel Morrissey, the executive producer, and I'm here with Keisha Allison, our head of content for Money 2020 USA. Hey, Keisha, how are you? Doing okay. It's actually been a nice feeling getting back into the office a couple of days a week. You know, while I've enjoyed spending time with my kids over the last year, sometimes, just sometimes, it helps to have a little space to myself. Oh, yeah, 100%. I've been coming in a few times, too. And, you know, it's been so interesting having stayed outside of Manhattan for almost a year, starting the commute again. I've really noticed the wide integration of the Omni system into MTA's contactless payments and ticketing system. And before we went on lockdown, I think it was in operation at a handful of locations. And now it's in every single station. Yeah, I noticed that, too. All it took was a year of almost no one using the subway system to get it up and running. It never fails to surprise me how slow at adopting new technology our cities can be. But actually, that's fairly relevant to what we're talking about this week. One of the debates about launching the Omni service was that un- and underbanked people within the city would be at a disadvantage when using them. Yeah, I remember there being a lot of discussion around that at the time. And while you can still use cash to top up on your Metro cards at the subway station, It doesn't take much imagination to see how this could develop into other situations where people with established banks and the correct technology to use it are at a distinct advantage. Exactly. And this is an even bigger discussion in countries with emerging markets where cash is still king. For example, in Mexico, 90% of payments are done with paper money. And in Brazil, it's 70%. And these are two of the most developed countries in Latin America. I heard that of the 650 million people in LATAM, more than 50% of them are unbanked. When you compare that to the U.S., which the FDIC found to be at 5.4% in 2019, it really shows how much of a different situation they're in. And because it's such a different situation, fintechs and financial services are developing completely new approaches to penetrate that growing market. I mean, one such company doing this is DLocal, who I spoke to this week. I'm Michelle Goldfed. I'm the Senior Vice President of Growth for DLocal. I know DLocal well, and I think Mitch is great. They're doing some great things, and the market agrees. They IPO'd in the first week of June and raised $617 million. So they're clearly doing something right. Yes, they did quite well. I think quite is quite an understatement. They've tapped into the desire of Latin American consumers to have access to the same services as the rest of the world's consumers. And they've enabled the biggest e-commerce players to move into these local markets. Our mission is to enable global merchants to connect seamlessly with billions of emerging market users. We, we try to make the complex simple by redefining the online payments experience. And we founded the local when we realized how complex it was for merchants to do business in emerging markets and that consumers in these markets wanted the same level of service that a customer in the U.S. or Europe gets to experience. Going back to our point made earlier, if more than 50% of LATAM customers are unbanked and largely using cash to make purchases. Well, e-commerce giants such as Amazon or Mercado Libra, 
don't have access to vast swaths of the population. And let me tell you, Amazon is not used to having a problem they can't just throw money at to solve. Yeah, even flying to the moon, right? Well, almost, yeah. So D-Local have positioned themselves as the key to unlocking this huge market for these businesses. In fact, Fast Company has this stat that over 450 global e-commerce retailers, software as a service companies, online travel providers, and marketplaces rely on D-Local to accept over 300 locally relevant payment methods. I mean, that's a pretty good position for them to be in. But this can't be easy, right? I mean, if it was, someone would have done it already. So how have they started to solve this problem of meeting people where they are? Of how digital businesses can trade with people who can only pay with physical money? So uh, they are the intermediary that takes the local currencies, transfers them to more universal currencies, and then adapts those to digital payments. But that takes a lot of knowledge around local payment practices. The realities across emerging markets are very different. and it's extremely nuanced. So uh, expanding and doing business in Brazil or India or Egypt or Nigeria could be challenging uh, and could be very different to uh, the experience of doing business in the US and Europe. We specifically focus around payments. That's what we solve for. And offering local payment methods in these markets means understanding the market, means connecting to the local payment methods. And uh, what we do is essentially, again, bridging the gap between this global, international, big companies with their uh, customers in emerging markets. So let's clarify. Consumers have to get their cash into a digital product. So in LATAM, this involves going to a kiosk or interchange that will take their cash and load a debit card or a digital wallet. And because of the growth in this process, use of digital wallets in LATAM has rocketed. And then on top of that, the pandemic over the past year has added even more fuel to that rocket and accelerated the process. Phew, there's a lot of rocket talk in this episode. Yeah, I haven't been able to get the vision of Jeff Bezos in his astronaut outfit out of my head in the last week. Well, I'm sure there'll be another billionaire launching themselves into space soon, so hopefully they will help dislodge that image. (laughs) Meanwhile, back on Earth, this growth in digital wallet use in developing markets is opening up some major opportunities. E-wallets are gaining popularity in Latin America, for instance. They've been uh, already popular for quite a few years in Asia. Bank transfers, we are not talking about, you know, making an international wire. We are talking about literally getting into your home banking and sending money to another local bank account within the same country. And that's obviously for the banked population. There are also the, uh, the neobanks, the challenger banks are now becoming super relevant in, in these countries. And they are providing a financial infrastructure for the people that traditionally were unbanked or underbanked. So we also make sure to connect to them and to offer those as payment options when they, again, are trying to buy online from this big international merchants. So it's one thing to talk about the development of fintech services across LATAM, but this is a huge region where not only entire countries, but regions within each country 
are developing and adopting different technologies at different times. The challenge in payments is knowing every new development in every country, both technologically and politically, in order to enable businesses to keep serving these regions. And it's important to know the stage each country is at in this development so that those businesses know where to invest their resources next. We, we usually see people talking about Latin America as a region, but every country in Latin America is pretty unique and pretty different. Uh, so the region itself is super nuanced. And it also happens to me all the time. You know, I'm originally from Uruguay. And when I say that I'm, I'm from Uruguay, they ask me, oh yeah, Paraguay, that's a super nice country. Uh, so naturally Brazil and Mexico are the two biggest countries in, in, in the region. Um, and we see our merchants, our customers, when they launch in LATAM, uh, they typically start with these two, with Brazil and Mexico. And then phase two is usually Argentina, Colombia, Peru, and Chile. And then phase three is all the rest. You know, it's interesting you brought up politics, Quiche. An emerging market you could compare to this is India, where their government has stepped in and created universal payment rails and is focused on developing local innovators and intentionally blocked major players from coming in and getting a monopoly in this space. And this is where cryptocurrency comes in and is very interesting because it really changes the rails you're focusing on and increases the opportunities for money to come into the country. For example, El Salvador just made Bitcoin a legal tender. That means remittances can come into the country without a lot of exchange fees, which in turn will help fuel more growth. And this only makes having local expertise all the more important. Some people might ask why Amazon doesn't just go in and do this themselves. I mean, they have the money to do it. But really, it is much more efficient to have people who really know these local markets to do this for them, as they're able to keep on top of all these changes, both technologically and, as you said, politically. And just like with blockchain systems, we know there will be private and public rails that need to be navigated and connected. Understanding those local environments becomes vital to business stability and growth. Being big won't necessarily make the difference. I think at some point, the systems and protocols that are being created by governments and central banks will coexist with these private systems that are being created by the likes of Facebook. If you look at the example of Facebook in Brazil, they tried to launch and they failed at the beginning because they got you know blocked by the regulators and they then found a way to work together and to relaunch the, the the product for WhatsApp payments. And probably uh, a good angle to work around this is combining, you know, and joining efforts. So you can rely on this uh, systems and protocols that are being launched by, by central banks and regulators and governments and leverage those. You know, if you run uh, your system on top of the fixed rails, you essentially get access to every single financial institution in Brazil. So that's probably the future, the, the, the evolution of, of these initiatives. I mean, this seems big, right? This seems more than big. 
VCs see nothing but opportunities here. They see opportunities in real estate, business services, infrastructure, and full stack players. And the adoption of digital wallets is only increasing. E-commerce penetration is still in its early days in, in the emerging markets. So the growth opportunities that we have ahead of us are huge. And we are super excited about what's coming for the local and for emerging markets. I would say it looks like the local has really struck gold here, but this isn't just a one-way street. Adoption of digital payments technology has proved to benefit economies and countries on a wider basis. Exactly. Less cash means a less dark economy, which is tied to a drop in crime. And also digital marketplaces moving into these regions will enable local sellers to use those platforms to sell their own products to a much bigger market, increasing the flow of money within those economies. And that is it for this episode of The Money Pot. We'd like to thank Mitch Goffred from DLocal for speaking with us. Congrats on the IPO and we see great things coming for you. We would also like to thank the Jim Henson to our Muppet show, Roland Bottenham, and we can't wait to see you in Las Vegas. Tickets are available now to Money 2020 live in Amsterdam on September 21st through the 23rd and in Las Vegas from October 24th through the 27th. And if you like The Money Pot, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Vegas. So tell us how much you want to be a part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.